Welcome to Chucked on this nice fall morning here. The week before Thanksgiving, we are glad you're here with this episode of Chucked. And I'm Charles Braxton with Austin Charles. And Austin, we have so much to talk about today. Is it possible we can keep this to a half an hour today? <laughs> might need a part Be- two. I know, we might need a part two. Um, so if you're a regular Chucked listener, you know that... Uh, we are huge Cleveland Browns fans. I joke, and it is a joke, that I was a Browns fan before I knew Jesus, you know. <laughs> so uh, I have warm memories of being very cold on <laughs> in Municipal Stadium in many fall days. And uh, so uh, take us away, kick the ball off here on what happened last Thursday night with eight seconds to go in uh, the game between the Steelers and the Browns in which Miles Garrett lost his head, which nearly um, ended in Mason Rudolph losing his. Yeah, that's one way of putting it. I think, I think it's the, um, the media assault, the, um, whatever this vague indefinite suspension is, um, I think I think a lot of that is 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 coming to be seen as uncalled for, and um, I I would bring him back in three games. I would I think I think point taken. Um, I, I have a uh, rule uh, twelve section two article seventeen <laughs> of the NFL. A player. He, he, hey Pete, he's a football legalist. A player is, may not he is use quoting a helmet ch- chapter that is and no verse, chapter worn, and verse. That is no longer worn by anyone. As a weapon to strike, swing at, or throw at an opponent, penalty, colon, loss of 15 yards, and automatic disqualification. If the foul is by the defense, it is also an automatic first down. Nothing about anything else. This is what I don't understand about the NFL rule system is that you can just make up Mm -hmm. as things go along. And all along I've been saying – if you know, or agreeing with those also who are saying it, that if it wasn't on Thursday night football, if it was, in in there there, this is not just uh, uh, you know, I'm not just biased in saying this. It, um, if this was just on a Sunday afternoon and it wasn't Monday night or Sunday night or Thursday night, um, nothing would happen. I mean, he might get in the game or, or or whatnot, but it wouldn't be the big deal. It is you just look at Humphreys trying to asphyxiate Odell Beckham. Um, until and someone had to pull him off of him uh, when the Browns were playing just in Baltimore on a normal Sunday, week three or whatever that was. He's choking him, yeah. Um, two hands around his neck while uh, on top of him. So you know, and I don't even he didn't, he didn't even get suspended. So um, you know, the the pretty white quarterback, you see his face. He all of a sudden becomes more human. Um, gets bonked on the head. I mean, he really didn't even hit him that hard, and. Uh, I think yeah, there should be a penalty for it, and he should be suspended. But uh, it's you know, Demarius Randall hits a guy just before that um, on a play. There was an illegal tackle, but wasn't malicious, I don't think, at all. And the guy nearly dies. He has blood coming out of his ear. No one's talking about that. Um, it's it's that the it's that the the public eye that this was on CNN, ABC, wherever we're talking about this um, that. The ugly side of the NFL, which is the majority of the NFL, was brought to the public. And the NFL doesn't like you to see its true colors, which is that it's a violent game mm-hmm. played by bar- 
barbarically inclined men um, who only, you know, know one mode, especially when they're on the field. Um, and that's the truth of the NFL. It's a violent game. And that was on full display in those, those last few seconds of that game. And the NFL is ashamed of that and tries to um, not act on the incident, but act on the response of the incident, which is entirely indicative of how we normally go about things today. Um, we act about on responses, not on, on, on what happened. Um, Mason Rudolph, you, you know, if any, any guy that's played sports, if you hit a guy once, especially three times below the belt, it's, it's bad things are going to happen. I mean, anything goes at that point. Anything goes. And uh, Miles Garrett has, if, for those who don't know, has uh, fingernail scratches all over his face from when Mason Rudolph tried to pull off his helmet first. Um, anyone that was watching this game knows that those last few interceptions Rudolph threw, he was losing his cool. He was blowing up. He was melting down. And, uh, and he finally blew his cap uh, on, on Garrett when Garrett um, attempted to sack him. The ball was still clearly in Rudolph's hand when Garrett hit him hmm. and made contact. That's what the tape shows. Garrett lands on him. For those who didn't see it, uh, Rudolph tries to pull off his helmet of Garrett, and then Garrett tries to get up. Rudolph has two hands on his face mask, kicks him below the waist, kicks him again. Garrett finally gets off, is holding and yanks off of Rudolph's helmet. They get separated. Uh, Garrett goes about 10, 15 yards away from Rudolph, hands down, still holding the helmet, but hands down. Not not advancing on Rudolph at all, getting pushed away. Um, looks very, uh, I don't you know, content with not continuing to brawl. And Rudolph goes after him, and swings below the belt again. And that's when Rudolph, and that's when Rudolph got bunked in the head. No harder than any of us have ever, uh, you know, been cleaning out the trash below the bathroom sink and hit your head. On the, on the it really, I mean, it really wasn't that. But it wasn't even bleeding. He got hit with a metal object and wasn't bleeding. I mean, how hard, how how soft do you get hit to not be bleeding and be hit with a with a with a whatever fiberglass or whatever object that is that weighs 10, 15 pounds? Say six pounds. Six pounds. I mean, so yeah. I mean, it's the whole thing is is ridiculous. They've taken it way too far, and Garrett should be playing in three weeks. Those are my thoughts. Well, I'm I'm glad Rudolph didn't get suspended. Because we play him in two we weeks. play him in two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, terrible quarterback. Terrible. Probably not. A, I don't know if he's even a good person. I'm not going to say it. I'm just. I'm just. I'm just. I just don't think the way he handled the press and everything. It doesn't seem like a great guy. I'm. I mean, we all know that Garrett is a stand-up guy. He is a. He is a. He's a. He's a kind person. Gentle. Gentle giant. Um, Rudolph, I don't know, jury's out on him. Who knows? Well, a lot of the suspension comes around that it was a quarterback. Mm-hmm. They, they, there's this, there's two sets of rules in the NFL. Mm-hmm. If he, you know, just like Antonio Smith did that to Richie Incognito in a preseason game a couple years ago, where I mean, swung, swung the helmet at horizontally the at his at face. face. I mean, just and there, you know, two preseason games he got suspended, and then yeah. the season opened. Yeah, so it was a quarterback. There's a, there's definitely a, that was a preseason game. It was not televised. Right, that's, right. that's another, you know. Yeah. You know, I like how uh, Ru- uh, I'm sc- sorry, Miles Garrett owned it. He, you know, after the game, he, I made a mistake, and 
I'm glad I didn't apologize, though, because they didn't warn an there's apology. There's something more to it. I mean, there's nothing justifies swinging your helmet at someone, mm-hmm. but there's something more to it. I mean, if you follow him at all, um, you know, I think you could have, uh, trying to look at it as objectively as possible, with Miles Garrett, you could have an individual who is by nature not um, a violent aggressor. Mm-hmm. but plays a game that demands you live on that line, 60 mm-hmm. snaps a game, you know, and you live on that line. And I think I think the person who's least likely to keep control is a person who, who's just not used to living in that. You could make that argument, and but yet has that aggression in him because you have to play that way. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you, you listen to audio of him during games. You sent that one out. I mean, he's just – he's very well respected by a lot of people. But I don't think he is. a. I think part of his thing is I questioned when he was drafted, does this guy really have what it takes to be a great football player? Because he just – you know, he, he writes poetry. He writes poetry and likes – you know, I mean, he's 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 a, he's a gentle giant in many ways. Mm-hmm. That sounds crazy now. But I, I questioned whether he had what it took to be great. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's part of – he. Michael. and then – Go ahead. Well, then the Browns are definitely trying to be the bully and not bullied mm-hmm. by the Steelers anymore. There's no question that I think that entered into that game. Did you see As, the quote from this, this, the Pittsburgh reporter? Yeah, so uh, Aditi Kiganguala, she's from the NFL Network in Pittsburgh. She said that one of the Steeler linemen, they were sharing texts after the game, and he said that they, they had a tension to bully us. Go Browns. And I... I tell you, you know, because I I tweeted out, you know, why are the Steelers always the common denominator in these fracases? Okay, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, uh, it's like with the, the Ravens, the with Ravens, the Seahawks, with the Bengals, the Browns. What? Wait a minute, Steel- because those of us who aren't Patriots. Steeler fans have looked at the Joey Porters and the James Harrisons and the Heinz Wards and the Palawas, going, how do they get away with that stuff? And they seem to always, you know, maybe they're just good at it. And I'd probably, certainly because they are good is, is, is why people yeah. resent them to some extent. But they always, you know, but you listen to a Steeler fan, they're, they're, as, they're as pure as the driven snow. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's that, from a Steelers fan perspective, and I know many, many are my friends, the, oh man, the Steelers are, are just pure as, mm-hmm. you know, pure as can be. And, but, but they always seem to be in the middle of this stuff. You don't see the Ravens in the middle of of a bunch of this stuff with other teams. You don't, you don't, you know, you, mm-hmm. you definitely saw the big, and I think you will see the Browns now. I mean, they are definitely making a statement. We're not going to be bullied anymore by the AFC North. We're not. And I thought it was clear that game. And I do think that you have a person like Miles Garrett who was in that context and they were, they were, there's, to me, I would have a hard time saying that there wasn't a clear message. We are going to go out and send a message mm-hmm. in this game. And um, Which, you know, if, if you've been, the kid that's been picked on on the playground for years and years and years, mm-hmm. and no one's sticking up for. I mean, at some point, you have to send a message: that this isn't happening anymore. Yeah. And I'm going to go. I'm willing to go to the principal's office and be suspended to demonstrate that this is just not. And that is, is the culture of the NFL. You're 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 either the lion or the gazelle. Mm-hmm. You are. You there's no middle ground in the NFL. You either impose your will. Oh, Gre- Greg Williams last year. Mm-hmm. I mean, he he has you know mm-hmm. he uh, made it clear to his defense that they were they were trying to um, hurt Odell. They were they were doing a lot of things that aren't that aren't uh, that I no I don't yeah. condone. But but there is a um, uh, you got to have to reclaim a little bit of your reputation. Um, 
But uh, yeah, it's uh, I, I I did like I think it could be a catalyst for some things though. I think um, it does bring attention to the lack of discipline the Browns have had, mm-hmm. the lack of composure the Browns have had. Loved mm-hmm. loved you know hearing Baker respond to it. Mm-hmm. Um, his response was great. Freddie's response was great. Um, standing by Garrett, I think Garrett's gonna he's gonna have his gosh he's gonna come back and have his jersey retired. I think mm-hmm. <laughs> from the Browns fans having done that to a, a Pittsburgh quarterback, it only would have been better if it was if it was Ben himself. Um, yeah. that would have well, made him more of a it's god. It's funny, it's what, I know it, would, it wouldn't have happened with Ben. Mm-hmm. Never would have happened. I think he's more respected, mm-hmm. and he wouldn't have. I just wouldn't have happened with him like it did. Rudolph's a young guy with cherry cheeks who's trying to prove how tough he is because he, he's not a good quarterback. Mm-hmm. He's going to be a journeyman quarterback, backup. I, the, the, I, he's not well well-respected, and his post-game interview calling another player Oof. in the NFL a bully is not coward. a way to – and a coward. And, mm-hmm. uh, but, you know, that's not a way to get respect. Mm-hmm. Uh, James Jones on the NFL Network just jumped all over the Steelers, acting like they were totally innocent in the whole thing. There's a little bit of, of the initial reaction of the media, and then then the the weeks later, the week later, um, the the whole narrative has kind of been reminiscent of, to a, to a lesser extent of the um, the kid at the Washington Monument or the uh, Lincoln Memorial. Was it Lincoln Memorial? Where was it? In D.C. Mm, the Lincoln kid Memorial. The, yeah. yeah um, that had the MAGA hat on and the, mm-hmm. the Native American drummer and whatnot. There's a little bit of that with this situation. Like Thursday night, I mean, Miles Garrett was going to prison. Yeah, I mean, oh, he there was, people calling he was, for him a lifetime was, ban. Yeah, and, he was going to prison. Yeah. He was for 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 assault, mm-hmm. um, attempted homicide. I mean, it was it was. And then a week later, once you've seen the tape, once you've listened to Rudolph, it's like ah. This, this is, you know, you got Miles, or you have uh, Michael Strahan saying, I did that in practice to a teammate. I did that in practice to a teammate, but no one saw it, and everyone knows that's what happens. Yeah. It happens. Yeah, it I took a helmet and I swung at my, te- you know, and and he he'd obviously he felt terrible about it. And um, this is this is this is GMA Michael Strahan <laughs> doing that. To, I mean, so I think there's a little bit of now people are like, well, that's so I'm you know uh, it's what is it? It's 9:46 right now, and we're recording this on Wednesday, November 20th. He went into his NFL appeal at 9:30, Garrett. So um, we want to pause. We can for all prayer. offer some prayers, <laughs> um, some prayers for Garrett, some imprecatory prayers for the. For the Steelers and, and Rudolph, um, it's so amazing because I don't, I just don't see us beating the Steelers in uh, you know week and a half. Mm-hmm. But Rudolph playing gives us chance and no pouncy and no pouncy. He Yikes. doesn't have his All Pro center. It just mm-hmm. like I because I just don't see that the, the, the Steelers losing to us again. But I'm I'm really glad Rudolph's playing. Yeah. He's just not very good. Well, it's too know? bad we cut um, Avery and Ogba now. Isn't it? <laughs> oh, brother. Avery especially. The way, have you seen how he's playing for the Eagles? Mm-hmm. I don't get it. I don't get it. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about a couple things. One is, I want just a couple sub, sub-themes on this. One is the, the issue of objectivity. Um, I Last night we had, uh, for the final installment of the fall training for the Players Box students over at our house, and some of the kids are Steeler fans, and we started arguing, you know, in good nature about who incited whom. And, mm-hmm. and uh, I said, well, you know, Rudolph, Rudolph, Started first by pulling his helmet off and kicking him in the boys. You know he he mm-hmm. he was and no he did no he did no he didn't. I said well yeah he did and they said no he didn't. He didn't grab his helmet first. 
I said, huh? I said, here, I have it on. I, let's just look at it. I got it. I've got it right here to the place. Let's turn the big 70 inch TV on. And let's mm-hmm. look at it. So we turned it on, looked at it, and we're staring at it with his left hand around his helmet and his right hand underneath, trying to pull it off. And they said, no, his hands are stuck in his helmet. He's not trying to pull it off. <laughs> and I mean, we're staring at his left hand on the back right. And they are just saying, no, he didn't, he did not try to. So, you know, we don't, I, I, I mean, I don't admit I'm not objective about this. I'm not. I mean, mm-hmm. I think that doesn't excuse error, but it, I'm not objective. I see it from the perspective of a team that's been bullied by another team forever. That team happens to be my team. And, uh, you know, a friend kind of tried to incite me to overreact and I said no I, I think it's inexcusable what Miles did I'm not I'm not justifying that at all I just I, what I didn't like was the Steelers being acting like they were innocent the whole mm-hmm. thing you know so the issue of objectivity is huge because in matters of faith you know feelings must follow fact mm-hmm. there's an old Christian song he lives he lives within my heart you know, he lives, he lives, he lives within my heart. I know, I mean, it's like the idea is uh, th- that I feel him. Well, that's great. Mm-hmm. But it could be indigestion. <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't, you know, so mm-hmm. I'm, but so much of our faith has to be based on reasonable deduction. Mm-hmm. You talk about the, the, an extraordinary claim that our faith is based on that our the hinge of our the, the door of our faith has three hinges the virgin birth the crucifixion and the resurrection those three hinges if any one of those hinges come off the door of faith is so heavy it'll break the other two mm-hmm. you know um, especially virgin birth and crucifixion and re- resurrection so objectivity, I think, is one that, that is, remember as faith that there, there are two kinds of doubters. There's honest doubters, and then there's dishonest doubters. Honest doubters examine the evidence, but they want to believe. Hmm. Dishonest doubters examine the evidence to not believe, usually out of moral convenience. I don't want to believe. And just like watching that video of the last eight seconds, you'll see often what you want to see. So that's mm-hmm. one of my takeaways from this. And your comments on that, because uh, you're deeply embedded now in an objective analysis of biblical criticism, uh, pastoral criticism, and I mean criticism in a positive way, of just analyzing the, method, the text, yeah. yeah, the method, and um, just the, the, the rootedness that comes with being objective about the facts of faith. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to be threatened by challenges is extraordinary. So in the context you're in right now, speak for just a moment on that, on, on, uh, as a person who's investigating even more deeply the layers of your faith. Mm-hmm. Well, I wrote um, briefly in, uh, an article for school. Um, another way of putting this is on presuppositions. And so for the hermeneutics class, we talk a lot about presuppositions, taking that, your presuppositions to the text, text, um, are they useful or are they not? Um, the one excerpt from what I wrote is that no historian or textual critic admits to total objectivity or claims unbiased writing, at least that I've read. In fact, many of the great ones come clean in their biases and presuppositions mm. before the first chapter. 
And logically, if presupposition, if the presuppositionalist one presupposes no thing, then on what basis would one pursue any one thing? As Rene Descartes says, I think, therefore I am. The conscious mind and the conscious being are very reasonable starting points or presuppositions for one to do philosophy. All good arguments are based on presuppositions to some extent. So we, you know, we, we all have... In, in, in I, a Miles Garrett case, I swing, therefore I am. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. He is questioning his existence. And, <laughs> yeah. But... Um, you know, N.T. Wright is one of the first ones that comes to mind. He's, he's always up, up front that yeah. he has, he, he, there is, there is the virtue of pursuing objectivity. That's why one does, um, historical critical method of scripture or of, 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 as a historian, archaeologist, anthropologist, but, um, we all have our own biases. And I don't know if, I think most of them generally, um, it's it's being aware of them, but in the pursuit of objectivity and the pursuit of truth. Mm-hmm. But knowing that um, there might, there's one event, and we and we and depending on um, on uh, the person's experiences, the person's rearing, the person's education, the person's um, just general life, um, we're going to see things very differently. Yeah. And um, and so, you know, you know, like, I mean, you bring like, like someone like Bart Ehrman, I think of, and um, so many of his books, he he's good at stating, but stating in a negatively negative way that no inherent um, foundational pillar doctrine of the Christian scriptures um, is at all under threat by any criticism that a liberal critic like him has has put towards the scriptures. Um, he words this in certain ways that you would you would don't see it at first, but um, there are many contradictories in Scripture. There are many things that that because people were being taught how to read and write so that they could copy Scripture. So there is a very um, illiterate group of most of the time that was reading and and then copying and writing these documents. And so there are like I forget the the data that um, Daniel Wallace has, but I mean just tens of thousands of errors in the Scriptures, and none of them, not one of them. Con- contradict incarnation doctor yeah. um, you know uh, resurrection these are just mm-hmm. f- um, just foundational to the faith yeah and and the and the critics um, and the critics know this the liberal critics know this so why do they criticize well they they have a they have a um, they have a, a motive and uh, and 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 um, sometimes that motive is our presupposition. So I, I think going about these um, an event or incidences like this, like an historian, um, you can't avoid, you can't, you can't claim total objectivity because what, what does that look like? What is that? I don't know. Um, you would have to rid yourself of your existence and then and and, and go about a subject from the clear consciousness of the age of reason when you're two or three. Yeah. But, um, but you can be aware of and, and be self-aware enough of knowing what am I bringing into this and then use that. And that's where the article I wrote is, is argues for is that presuppositions are very useful. You know, reading a book like sisters in the wilderness, um, women talk of the view of God, which is written by a 40 year old black woman. You know, she has presuppositions <laughs> Mm-hmm. To how to address God that I don't have, but this this using her biases, her her lack of objectivity 
helps me understand yeah, exactly um, a f- another side of God, like a, like a, the dark side of the moon that I don't yeah. that I would never see. And so the same is 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 putting out those um, those uh, biases honestly, whether it's in not that everyone listening is investigating ancient texts, but but in in incidences and arguments is, is putting out texts the these days are. Tweet, tweets at three days old. That's that's an ancient text today. Right? <laughs> that's right. Yeah, ancient text of a politician. One's pulling up, um, but you know, of, of of putting out your putting out your your biases on the table and um, mm-hmm. and, and making use of them, um, and just and, but sometimes that is just acknowledging them that here here's what mm-hmm. it could be subtracting from my thinking. But that does just because there is some doubt doesn't mean there's not all, some truth mm-hmm. as well. You know? And, you know, I just, I think the lesson here is just, to me, it elicits this issue of subjectivity and objectivity, this event. I know it may feel like a stretch to, you know, in the same podcast, we're talking about biblical criticism and Miles Garrett hitting a guy with a helmet. But um, the, the objectivity issue is your faith is worth investigating. Christianity has not been investigated and found wanting. It's been found wanting to be investigated. Mm-hmm that your faith can withstand intense scrutiny. And only when you do that, as objectively as possible, do you, do you then come to the conclusion, I have enough evidence. You know, faith is taking all the light you have and taking one more step. So all the historical, biblical evidence, and then still taking that next step, because I want to believe. And at the end of the day, that's, you know, I think I, I want to see Miles Garrett Mm-hmm. Not be totally uh, permanently punished for this, like it mars his whole career. I want mm-hmm. there to be, as a Browns fan, I want there to be some culpability on the Steelers' part. So I acknowledge that. But as a faith, you know, I I just can't emphasize enough that at the end of the day, do you want to believe? Because if you want to believe, there's enough objective data for you to take the next step, mm-hmm. and that is surrender. One quick thing on, uh, we just have a couple, well, two minutes. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. I do think that's another, maybe for another day, but I do think in an era when we're so vitriolic in our culture, things are taken to a different level. Although, you know, this kind of stuff actually isn't new. Juan Marichal in 1965 swung a bat mm-hmm. in a baseball it's gonna game. It's going to happen in a hockey it's game. Gonna right? ha- exactly. I mean, it, it will. But I do think, um, you know, there is something to be said here for the importance of processing anger in a healthy way. In your anger, do not sin. Anger is not a sin. It's a, it's a secondary emotion. It's a reaction that your worth and safety has been violated. And uh, what you then do with that is absolutely critical. So, you know, I think that's another issue for our listeners to think about. Are you processing your emotions in a healthy way? Mm-hmm. Because sometimes something happens and that squirt gun containing the acid of your anger has just been waiting for the trigger to be pulled. Mm-hmm. And, and, and just the one pull of that trigger can really ruin your life. And um, who knows? I don't think it'll be a a permanent mar on Miles Garrett, but it's going to be a part of his biography on Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. You know, just like Tom Brady is unfortunately going to be known partially for Deflategate. You know, mm-hmm. as great as he is, 
it's going to be in the second paragraph of his biography. Um, mm -hmm. I think this is true of Miles Garrett. And one action of misuse of emotion can truly undo a lot of good. Mm -hmm. uh, no, probably no player in the NFL is doing more to help build water wells in Africa than Miles Garrett. And look at this, boom. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not what he's known for. I'm really proud of Chris Long and the whole the, the his Water Boys ministry. And they're standing by him, you know, and saying, hey, this doesn't mar the fact that he's doing an immense amount of good. Mm -hmm. Well, lots to unpack there. Again, it's tough to keep it to a half an hour uh, today. Yeah. A lot to unpack there. But uh, just a real lesson you might have not seen coming from this Chucksters and Chuckettes is, man, objectively investigate the claims of our faith because nothing will deepen your faith like objective basis for making that next step decision of, I believe, I am going to base my life on the claims of Jesus Christ because I have the evidence enough to take the next step. Faith is like the headlights on your car. If you just keep going forward, it keeps illuminating the road. So anything else, Oz? Until next time, no. unchucked. No. Until next time, this is Charles Braxton and Austin Charles, and it's great being with you today. Mm -hmm.